The title of the sermon tonight is dot, 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 and God showed up. Like we love it when God shows up, but we don't like the dot, 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 right? Every one of us have dot, dot, dot in our life. We don't like sharing about that with other Christians. <laughs> Unless it's a testimony and Jesus has already come through, then mostly we're happy to go, you know what? I used to, you know, used to smoke weed or I used to, you know, do this and that and that. But then Jesus turned up and now my life's perfect. And I'm happy to share about that. But I'm not happy to share about the dot, dot, dot until, you know, Jesus turns up. You know, isn't it great to be in a room full of perfect people tonight? Isn't it great? You know, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, I just love it how this story, let's have a look at this, um, this story in Scripture of Jesus turning up to a locked room. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. <laughs> what is Jesus blind? Like they're in a room and it's locked because they're afraid. And Jesus comes in and says, peace is with you. Peace, peace be with you. They're afraid. What are they afraid of? They're, af they're afraid of old bearded men that are Jews, Jewish leaders. But they're more afraid of what the Jewish leaders have authority to do. Maybe, maybe they're going to be next on a cross. They've heard stories about Jesus um, appearance to Mary. Who knows if that's true or not? They've heard stories about Jesus' appearance to two on a road, Cleopas and possibly his wife, we don't know, on the road to Emmaus. But who knows if they're true or not? It's, isn't, it, isn't it encouraging when you hear someone's testimony about how Jesus showed up in their life? Like I get really, I get a buzz out of it. I get a buzz out of hearing your story about how Jesus showed up in your life. Here we, hear the, we see the disciples and they've heard stories, but they, they're afraid. They're afraid because God hasn't shown up in their life yet. And they've locked themselves in a room. What's the difference between that and a prison? They can leave. The lock is on the inside people. And they've locked themselves in the room because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. They lock themselves in a room with people that they're okay with. And there's 10 men in this room and they are all afraid together. Now, I don't think we've ever been on the run from bearded men that have authority to put us on a cross, anyone? But I'm pretty sure we've locked ourselves in some rooms from time to time. What, what would they think about me if they knew that? What would, what would the pastor think about me if he knew that? What would the church, would, what would they think about me if they knew that? What would anyone think of me if they knew that? And we lock ourselves in these little rooms where, where we're safe and yet we're afraid. And we, we let people in that we're okay with. Because birds of a feather flock together, right? So... 
I've got an issue with something, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to someone about that who's got that issue as well, and let's let's just have that issue together, and let's continue doing that and being afraid because we're together doing that. But God doesn't like that. He doesn't like that when even Christians get together and 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 embrace their own fear about things. He shows up, locked doors. Rocks over the face of a tomb. It's all the same to God. Like It's almost laughable. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. (laughs) In Luke's gospel, Jesus came and stood among them. He records him as being terrified. But John, John writes this. John was there. John was one of the men in the room, right? So he's actually writing this gospel as as an eyewitness account. He was was in the room. He felt the, the fear the smell of sweat in the room, the unknown, what was going to happen next, who was knocking on the door, what were those noises outside? It was. We don't know what it's like to be a persecuted Christian, right? These guys were on the edge. They were afraid. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I often wonder how he did that. Like, did he descend from the roof? Like, did he disappear through the roof? And and just stand there? Or did he walk through the wall? Did he walk through the door? And did he kind of like bump into the lock or something, make a little noise? I don't know. The the idea here in in John is that he basically just appeared. He just just appeared out of thin air. He's just there. There he is. And he's, what's he doing in the room? He's standing. He's not nailed to anything. He's not lying down wrapped up in anything. He is, he's a man. He's a man alive and he's standing. And he is carrying in his body something the disciples don't see. But he's standing there and he declares something to them. He says, peace be with you. Now, this could be a greeting. This could be like, hey, guys, how are you going? All right. Basically, he's saying shalom, right? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Why would, why would he show them his hands and his side? Proof of what? Proof that he was nailed. Proof that he was nailed to a cross. Proof that he was pierced in the side with a spear and blood and water came out. Proof. That's the only scarring in heaven right now. The only scars that are in heaven are those scars in Jesus' hands and Jesus' side. Possibly in his feet. We're not sure how the Bible's written in that because he could have been nailed into his feet as well. But we're not sure about that. But the scars on Jesus' body are the only scars in heaven. He chose to keep them. He chose to keep those scars to prove not that he was alive, but to prove that he was the one who died. 
Because right now he's standing in the room as a man, proving that he is alive. And then he showed them that. And what did they, how did they respond? They were overjoyed. You ever fill a glass up with water and just keep going until it went over the top? That was it. They were overjoyed. They couldn't hold it in. They were so excited. This was the Lord. This was their Lord. All the emotions were happening at once. Let's read on. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. What? Hi, everyone. Welcome to church. Is that weird? Because I've already said that tonight. Is it weird that I would say that again? This is not a greeting that Jesus has given the disciples. This is a prophecy. This is a declaration. This is a, this is a word, a powerful word that he is declaring already exists over these disciples. Peace be with you. When I was a kid, I went to church. My mum made me go to church. And we, um, we would go to Sunday school. But before we went to Sunday school, we had to go to church. We had to sit down. We had to sing the hymns. And if there was communion on, we, we went up the front, we kneeled down and the, and the minister, this is an Anglican church, the minister would put his hand on our heads, my brother and I, and he'd, and he'd bless us, right? And then sometime during the service before we all went out to Sunday school, we would pass the peace. Anyone know what passing the peace is? You know what passing the peace is. What's passing the peace? And also with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, this is, this is, we get that from this, where Jesus declares to the disciples, peace be with you. In fact, he said it multiple times throughout the Gospels in different situations. But here he's saying it twice. It's really important that he's saying it twice because he's trying to get into the disciples' heads. In fact, we're going to look at it again next week as well. He's actually declaring to them something that's already in them. Now, why were they, amen. Why were, they, why were they in a locked room? Because they were at peace, right? No. Why were they in a locked room? Because they locked it because they're afraid. And Jesus is saying, peace be with you. Do you know where, where this locked room is situated on a map? What town it would be in? It's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jeru Shalom, the city of peace. They're in the city of peace and they're afraid in a locked room, afraid and crippled and, and, and not focusing on what they should be doing at all because of fear. And Jesus comes into the room, into their locked room. Jesus is, he doesn't, he doesn't need an invitation. He just comes in, right? Um, that's not, a, that's not license for anyone here to just waltz into someone's life. <laughs> you need an invitation. I need an invitation. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need an invitation. He just comes on in and he declares truth. He actually speaks truth because he speaks what's already in him anyway. He declares peace because he is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so he says, again, peace be with you. And now he gives them some tools to overcome fear. <laughs> he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. This is, this is perfect love. 
Perfect love drives out fear, John tells us in his epistle. And Jesus is the exact representation of God's love for the world. In bodily form, Jesus came as the proof that God loves the world. He perfected love, God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, and so Jesus says to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, you have a job to do as well. And it's a job that's not only going to help other people break free from fear, but it's also as you do this, you will find yourself realizing that you actually are a carrier of peace and you don't need to lock yourself up in a room. No one else is locking them up in a room. They're locking themselves up in a room. And you and I can do that too. So stop it. <laughs> Unlock the lock. <laughs> nah. Anyway. Verse 22. And with that, after giving them this job, with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay, so Jesus here, he, he comes into a locked room. There's 10 men that are super afraid. He appears like a ghost, right, and declares peace to them. And they're the ones that he wants to use to reach the world with the gospel and they're afraid. You know what the devil will try and stop you from doing what God has called you to do by making you afraid. And he knows more of the plan than you do, probably. Like Moses, the deliverer in the Old Testament of God's people from Egypt into the promised land. Even as a child, Moses was attacked after, attacked by, by the dead, by evil, to try and knock him out of the game. But God protected him all the way through. Joseph, another one, attacked, 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 but God kept him through, all the way through. And he helped, he helped people stay alive through famine. Mary Magdalene, we looked at her story a couple of weeks back. Seven demons were cast out of her. And God decided to use her as the very first evangelist to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. If there's, if there's hard things in your life right now, it actually means that you have an amazing plan that God wants to use you in. And if you stay focused on who Jesus is and what he's saying to you in that locked room, he has a plan for you and he'll give you a strategy to be able to be used effectively to break those sorts of things in people's lives in the future. I don't know how many people I went to Bible college with that um, used to be involved in addictions and drugs and you know street stuff and now they're involved in rehabilitation programs helping other people overcome those things or people that have had illnesses and been healed of them and now they're being called by God to, to lead healing ministries. Because the devil will try and get you at your weakest point and God will just say, no, this is what I want you to do. I want, I want to use you. So Jesus comes into the room. They're afraid. And so he gives them a job. He says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. 
And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Step number one, before you do anything for God, make sure that you have his power. His power. Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit here. I like to say in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit received them. And he was able to use them to to spread out. Because there was another 40, 50, 50 days after this event that the disciples were in that other room and the Holy Spirit came down upon them in Acts 2. But here Jesus is breathing on them and he's commissioning them with power to do the work that he was sent to do. As the Father sent him, now he's sending them. And so he gives them power through the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 23, he gives them authority. He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this is not, he's not giving them like, you have, you have authority to get revenge on people you don't like. He's not saying, if you say to your enemy, your sins aren't, I'm not going to forgive your sins. They're not forgiven. He's not saying that. He's basically saying, you now have, you know, you now know the way for a person to have their sins forgiven. And I'm giving you the authority to declare that to the world. Okay. So in other words, um, can you get your sins forgiven by being baptized? No. Can you get your sins forgiven by pray, uh, by believing that God exists? No. Can you get your sins forgiven by being christened as a baby? No. Now, unfortunately, we grow up in life and in our culture, even in Australia, in our Christianized culture, we, we grow up with these ideas of what, it, what how we can get forgiven. Can we get forgiven by being a good person? No. The only way we can get forgiven is by surrendering, surrendering our life to Jesus as the savior of our sins, for a savior of our soul and the Lord of our life by repenting of our sins and believing in him and following him. And so here he gives them both power through the Holy Spirit and authority for the mission. As the Father sent Jesus, he's sending the disciples. He doesn't turn up to the locked room and say, you guys, what, was three and a half years a waste of time? How many times did I tell you, don't be afraid, you know? And so he says to them twice, peace be with you. And he gives them tools to overcome that fear. Power, uh, sorry, a, a, a mission, power, and authority. I guess what I'm saying is um, the disciples, they put up a lock on that door in that room they were in to stop not everyone coming in, but to stop the people they were afraid of coming in. And tonight, I just want to declare to you tonight that Jesus is not afraid. And Jesus is, is he, he, he's not afraid of locks. He's not afraid of being seen with you in your fear. He's not afraid of walking beside you in, in, that, in that locked room. Because some of us maybe in this room are actually dealing with stuff that nobody knows about. And you're the only person in the room. But he is there. He's with you. 
he's with you. Even if you don't see him, he's with you. Even if you don't feel him, he's with you. The promise is, Jesus gave it to all of his disciples, I am with you to the very end of the age. And Jesus not only wants to declare peace over you, but he wants you to be a bringer of peace. Guess how you find out peace with God? First of all, you, you, you repent of your sin. You turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He gives you the Holy Spirit, who is basically peace on the inside. And then he gives you this job to share about how other people can get peace too. How to be forgiven. So where are you at? Do you need the Holy Spirit? Do you need the mission? Do you need, do you need to actually just get out there and start declaring that mission? Or are you still in the locked room afraid of what people might think? Because Jesus isn't finished with you. So, um, and he's not finished with me either. All right? No fear this year. Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus into this world to reveal to us who you are and to show us the way to eternal life, to show us the way to true peace. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming, um, becoming the sin uh, sacrifice for us in our place. As our substitute, you became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Thank you for bringing that peace to our hearts. And so, Lord, we turn to you tonight. If we haven't already, we, we turn to you. We turn away from our sin. We turn away from our fear. We turn toward you. We repent of our sin. We believe in what you've done for us on the cross. We surrender our hearts to you afresh tonight, Lord, and we invite your Holy Spirit in. Help us, Lord God, to complete the perfect love that you revealed to the world. Help us to complete the mission, Lord, that you've sent us on, that you've got each one of us on to, um, to help other people escape the prison of their own locked room. We pray that your Holy Spirit would help us in this, empower us in this, Lord God, and give us the strength and the bravery to believe that you're with us every step of the way too. Amen. Amen.